0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's
1: time to play full time fantasy.
2: Full time fantasy. It is full time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rowan is solo here for the final hour on a Monday afternoon. I'll be with you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You could check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. We've got the fantasy football week eight's biggest winners and losers up there now. The prescription notes from Dr. Roto, the early waiver wire for week nine, and the fantasy impact of Kenyon Drake being traded to the Cardinals. So you could check all that out. If you have any questions, you could ask them on the message boards and the forums. You could also check out the uh my work at SI.com slash fantasy. I'll have the week nine wave of wire article up tomorrow morning. Uh, and again, if you have any specific questions, trades, whatever it is, you can ask them on the message boards and forums and we will get to them. Lots to talk about today as we recap the week and what it means for fantasy going forward. Uh, also some news as well. Uh, let's look at that news to kick it off. Uh, looked like Cam Newton was close to a return, but he will not play this week. Uh, Ron Rivera said Kyle Allen will start for the Panthers this week against the Titans. So, Cam Newton is still rehabbing. So, now we're looking at week 10 at the earliest. I'm pretty sure they want to put Cam Newton in there because Kyle Allen was not good. I said it last week. You know, everyone was looking at his undefeated record. Kyle Allen was not asked to do much in those games. It was a lot of Christian McCaffrey in the defense. And against that really good 49ers defense yesterday, he couldn't do anything. So, This really goes to show that Cam Newton is definitely not healthy at this time and not ready to go. Chase Edmonds got injured yesterday, hurt his hamstring, and Tom Pellicero of the NFL Network reports he's likely to miss a few weeks. And we knew this. Once you see a player exit with a hamstring issue, especially a running back, you knew it wasn't good. And now, missing a few weeks, it really cripples his fantasy value because I think a lot of people felt – Edmonds will get an opportunity over the next few weeks. So, he's out. David Johnson probably out too. Remember, the Cardinals have a short week. They are hosting the 49ers uh, this week on Thursday Night Football. So, uh, the Cardinals traded for Kenyon Drake today, uh, a conditional fifth-round pick there in that deal. So, yeah, Drake gets an increase for now, but it is a very tough matchup this week with San Francisco, and the Cardinals have... San Francisco in two of the next three weeks, but he is a good pass catching back. You got to figure they'll be playing from behind and Drake can roll up the reception. So if you are a Kenyan Drake owner, this is probably positive news, but a lot's also going to depend on when David Johnson comes back. So as long as David Johnson is out and it's Drake and Zenner, uh, Drake's going to be in a position to get a, a lot of touches. Joe Flacco will not start this week against the Browns for Denver as that game has been pulled off the board in Vegas Uh, It looks like Flacco has a herniated disc. Now, some people will speculate and say this is a result of Joe Flacco coming out and criticizing the team. We'll see. Maybe it is. Brandon Allen will make his first career start this week for the Broncos. Then they have to figure out if Drew Locke is ready to be the backup. Or it could be Brett Rippon. But we could see Drew Locke at some point uh, in the next few weeks once he is ready. So, uh it's going to be a uh, a good week for the Cleveland Browns. Maybe they finally win a game. Denver does have a bye in Week Ten, so uh, we might not see Flacco the rest of the year uh, in Denver. Would be my my guess. As a you know, it just has not worked out there. Bears coach Matt Nagy said Mitch Trubisky will start in Week Nine against the Eagles. That's how bad it has gotten. Uh, they think that they can get better with Trubisky, but he has been absolutely terrible. Miles Sanders left yesterday's game with a shoulder issue when he was having a really good game. He had a long touchdown run. Uh, Only six touches, had well over 100 yards. And, you know, we talked about Miles Sanders before the year. He was someone that I was drafting, you know, fifth, sixth round, with the understanding that it could take some time for him to really produce. You know, we've seen a lot of Jordan Howard, and he's looked pretty good, but I still have faith in Sanders. They are saying... They don't expect him to miss time. So we might not see him practice much this week, but I do think Sanders, especially if he gets the touches, uh, could be a factor going forward. Uh, Also, J.J. Watt out for the year with a torn pictorial. We knew about that. Uh, And uh, Kenyon Drake, obviously, the trade there to uh, Arizona. So people that have held on to him feel pretty good about that. And, of course, Mark Walton will be... The main back there in Miami starting tonight. Uh Monday night football, the Dolphins and the Steelers. And uh Walton was getting the workload over the last few weeks. Now, there's not a lot of upside in that offense. So um he's you know, he'll get touches, he'll catch the football. You have to worry about Keelan Balaj though stealing those goal line carries. We've seen it the last couple weeks. Uh, let's take a look at some of the action from week eight and what it means for fantasy going forward. You know, it looked like a smash spot for Russell Wilson against Atlanta It was terrible against the pass, but they built a huge lead and, They didn't ask Wilson to do much, and that's one of the frustrating parts about Russell Wilson in fantasy is you really have to try and predict game flow on a week-to-week basis. Russell Wilson just doesn't get the volume that a lot of quarterbacks get, yet he still puts up great fantasy numbers. He only had 20 pass attempts in this game, 182 passing yards and two touchdowns. So against Atlanta, it's not that surprising. Uh, Chris Carson, 20 carries, 90 yards and a touchdown. We did see Rashad Penny, 8 for 55. Now, a lot of people think this could be a showcase. There's been a lot of rumors of Penny getting dealt, uh, so it is a good idea to hold on to Penny if you do have him. He's obviously a good insurance plan in case Carson goes down and Carson has had some injuries the last few years or maybe gets traded potentially to a bigger spot. Uh, in the past game, I mean, there's really two guys you can use for Seattle. It's Tyler Lockett, six targets, caught all six for 100 yards and this was a good week for DK Metcalf. I did recommend him in a lot of questions. I did like him. He was in the Sneaky Start article. Now, He only had five targets, but he had two touchdowns. Three for 13 and two touchdowns. So, yes, not a big week. And, again, a lot of that is the passing volume. But the Falcons' secondary has been terrible. I mentioned also in that article and on the show last week, going into week eight, D.K. Metcalf had nine end zone targets. And we know Wilson likes to throw down the field. Now, hopefully you didn't back away from Atlanta too much because of Matt Schreiber, quarterback. He had 460 yards. But Julio Jones, big game, 10 for 152. Calvin Ridley, who did leave this game briefly, looked like he might have had a concussion, but he cleared it. He had four for 70 on seven targets. Austin Hooper, once again, six for 65 and a touchdown. Russell Gage could be pretty interesting because uh, Atlanta's going to throw a ton. Their defense is terrible, and they'll be playing from behind. He had seven for 58. And Devontae Freeman, getting not getting it done on the ground, but eight for 62 through the air. That's really where his value lies in PPR. In non-PPR, Freeman's just not as appealing because – They're just not really running the football, and you can't expect them to commit to it. Lots more ahead when we return. We'll continue to look at the Week 8 results and what it means for your fantasy going forward here on Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back here at full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network of Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Most of Week 8 is done. We'll cap it tonight with Pittsburgh and Miami. Yes, not the most exciting game, but hey, there's sports betting. There's fantasy games. That could be decided tonight, so uh, there's definitely some interest to watch. Rams with an easy win over the Bengals 24-10, but I think you have to be concerned about Todd Gurley. 10 for 44 on the ground in a touchdown against the Bengals. Uh, that's not good. This is one of the worst run defenses in the league. And, yes, they had the game in control. And I don't think he played most of the fourth quarter. But this is not good. And the worst part, one target in the passing game, no receptions. So, Todd Gurley. Has, he's been okay. I guess if you took him in the second round, you're not that disappointed by it. Cause we knew the workload would diminish, but this is all about getting through the season. And that was my biggest concern on why I stayed away from Todd Gurley. I want to know part of him. He's averaging 3.9 yards per carry. Now he's got seven total touchdowns. So that's good. He's got 15 receptions, man. 15 receptions. I mean, that is terrible for Todd Gurley. That's the biggest problem. He's hardly involved in the passing game, so that limits his ceiling every week. So, uh, they're on a bye. I don't know what you can get for Gurley. I'd be looking to move him. I'd be, I'm would be. very concerned about him going forward. We saw Darrell Henderson, 11 for 49 in this game. Uh, also caught two passes for 20 yards. So, he'll have value as long as Malcolm Brown is out. If Brown is back, then I think Brown's the backup. But, hey, it could be Malcolm Brown and Darrell Henderson down the stretch, but... Definitely concerns for me with Gurley going forward. I was concerned before the year, and I would move him if I had him. Jared Goff, we've seen him take advantage of good matchups. He did here, 372, two touchdowns. He's a matchup play. There are going to be uh, better defenses he faces on the road. You're just not going to feel good about starting him because that offensive line has been a problem. So if he's not getting that time to throw, he's in trouble. Cooper Cup, man, what a beast. Ten targets, seven for 220, and a touchdown just continues to smash, man. And, boy... Uh, I wish I was more aggressive on him. I only have him in one league, and, you know, I had concerns about that torn ACL, but there were reports late August. I remember Jay Glazer. Hey, he looks great. He looks better than he did before the injury, and that's someone that you listen to. You know, Jay Glazer doesn't say a lot anymore, but he's very tuned in, and, you know, that's why we focus on what people are telling us in reports, and uh, I should have heeded that one more and taken that to heart. Uh, And it's not like I avoided cup. It's just fourth, fifth round. I wasn't aggressive on him, you know, and uh, you always look to learn, you know, we all are going to make mistakes in this game. And uh, that was one I should have listened to that report more seriously. And the Rams basically told us, I've always said, you have to listen to the signals team sends us. And they didn't put him on IR. There were no restrictions. So we should have known that he's going to be fine. And boy, he looks tremendous. And if we're redrafting today, I got to think he goes late first, early second round. If we were doing this over. I mean, he's clearly the receiver to own on the Rams. Now, Brandon Cooks left this game early with a concussion. There has to be concern. It's the second time this year he's left the game with a concussion. And he had a concussion in the Super Bowl January of 2018. We've seen Sterling Shepard have two concussions this year. He's missed several weeks. We don't know when he's going to return. So I'd be worried. Now they have a bye next week in Week Nine, but Josh Reynolds is obviously going to be the intriguing pick up here. He had eight targets in this game; that was second on the team behind Cooper Cup. Not only had three for 73, but did score a touchdown. But this is more of a passing team right now. If they're not going to give Gurley these 20-25 touch games, you know they're going to be more in the pass-heavy mode, especially when they go against competitive teams where they might not be able to stop them. I mean, we knew against the Bengals that they would handle things, and they did. But, uh, you know, I think there's room here in the passing game going forward. Obviously, Robert Woods, a disappointment. Two targets, only two for 36, and Gerald Everett, two for 15 on three targets. uh, But they didn't really need to do much here, and, um, you know, I think it'll be better in uh, the weeks ahead. If you use Joe Mixon, finally, he found the end zone. Uh, four for 11 through the air with one catch, 17 for 66 on the ground. But we know it's going to be rough sledding ahead. Alex Erickson con- continued uh, again to contribute six for 97. Uh, Eifert, six for 74. Auden Tate, five for 65. Also had a touchdown call back. Tyler Boyd, six for 65. A.J. Green is expected to return after the bye week. We'll see if uh, a trade is made. But a lot of thing, people indicate that uh, Green will be back. Eagles beat the Bills 31-13. to This was a game with heavy wins, so uh was getting questions on that, and I did back off a little bit on some of these uh, players in this game. You know, Josh Allen was someone I had in my lineup initially. I took him out for Jameis Winston in two leagues. That worked out because Winston had a better day. Allen wasn't bad if you used him, but, you know, he likes to take shots deep downfield, and with the heavy wins, you figured that would affect him, and he had 169 passing yards and two touchdowns. Uh, And eight carries for 45 yards. So it wasn't terrible. Uh, I didn't really like the run game here. We talked about Devin Singletary. Played 67% of the snaps, but only had three carries for 19 yards and four receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown on six targets. Uh, They got to get him more involved in this offense. He's got some explosiveness. You know, all credit to Frank Gore, but he's just not going to get it done. And he's touchdown reliant. John Brown was someone who I liked a lot going into this week. Did back off him a little bit. Uh, Did get some questions where... Brown was the answer, and then people voiced their concern with the wins. I know one person had, like, Brown, Corey Davis, and DK Metcalf. It was Brown earlier in the week, and then I switched to DK Metcalf, so that worked out. Cole Beasley scored for the second straight week, only three for 41. But, hey, look, he's safe. He's got at least nine points in PPR formats at every game except one. So does he have a high ceiling? No, but we got four teams on bye this week, so he's usable. For the Eagles, I mean, it's uh, not much going on. This was a bad spot for Carson Wentz. Hopefully you didn't use him. Miles Sanders, we've talked about, left this game with that shoulder issue. Three for 74 on the ground with a rushing touchdown of 65 yards and three for 44 through the air. Certainly a dynamic back. You hope that they use him more going forward. Jordan Howard grounded, grounded it out, 23 for 96, and a touchdown. Not much in the passing game. We all Alshon Jeffrey had a tough matchup against Davius White, four for 64. But Zach Ertz, once again, two for 20. On four targets, one of the biggest disappointments of the week. And I, I wrote this in the stock watch last week with putting Ertz a stock down. And it's really not, look, Ertz has not had a terrible year. It's expectations. People took this guy in the second or third round. And it was a mistake. I wrote it before the year. I'm not saying this now because you guys know I'll admit when I'm wrong. The problem with Ertz is that people were drafting him off of last year's numbers. It was not realistic for him to duplicate that again. All I have to tell you is this you know, you look for outliers. From 2015 to 2018, here are the targets for Zach Ertz: 112, 106, 110, 156. Here are the receptions: 75, 78, 74, 116. Where is the outlier? It's clearly last year. If you were drafting him, expecting those numbers, you 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 read things wrong, and this happens in fantasy a lot. People make this mistake. They see a player jump. Oh, he had these numbers. I'm he's going to put up those numbers again. There's no way. He wasn't going to get 116 targets again. You had Dallas Goddard. You had Deshaun Jackson, who's obviously missed time. And, you know, there's other weapons in this offense. They're going to run the football. You had Sanders and Howard. Just not enough to go around. So, if Ertz gets you 75 to 80 receptions like he has in the other years, you're happy with that, but not in the second or third round. And the biggest problem is the lack of touchdowns. And for a long time, Ertz didn't find the end zone. But each of the last two years, he had eight touchdowns. He has one now. If Ertz had... Three or four touchdowns right now, people wouldn't be complaining. But the last three weeks is really where he's kind of fell, uh, especially the last two. Two for 20, two for 38. I mean, before that, these weren't bad numbers. Look at from week one, five for 54, eight for 72, four for 64, seven for 65, five for 57 with a touch, four for 54. Those are solid weeks from a tight end. You know, if you covered up the name and said, here, this is your tight end, are you happy? People would be like, hell yeah. You know how many people are getting two, three, four points from a tight end every week? But it's expectations, and it's the price, and what you buy, and what you paid for Ertz, you're not getting the value in return. So I actually think if you find an Ertz owner who's disappointed, I would actually trade for him right now because it's not going to remain this bad. Dallas Goddard obviously is hurt because they run a lot of two tight end sets, and we've seen Goddard score two weeks in a row. It's just perception with Zach Ertz, and I don't think it's as bad – as people think, it's the price. You know, when you pay that second-round, third-round price for Ertz and you see others who got Darren Waller off the waivers or got him right, late, got Austin Hooper in the middle rounds late, and those guys are getting that production. And Darren Fells, Jonathan Smith off the waiver wire, yeah, it hurts. So that's the biggest thing is just the perception of the price you pay for Ertz. He hasn't been awful. He just hasn't lived up to the high draft day cost. Lots more, ahead When we continue, we'll go through the rest of the action in Week 8. What does it mean for your fantasy team? Full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Full time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Adam here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Wrapping up week eight. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and Fandle this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best Daily Fantasy Sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto. NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Continuing to take a look at the rest of the action in week eight. Uh, The Chargers and Bears, basically two teams that just find ways to screw things up. And the Chargers were actually on the positive end of it for once. As uh, Eddie Pinheiro missed a 41-yard field goal as time expired. Uh, Not much going on for the Chargers. Look, you don't feel good about Phillip Rivers anymore. He's not the same. The offensive line is not that good. 2-0-1 and a a touchdown. Melvin Gordon did find the end zone. But once again, there's not much room to run here. 8-for-31 on the ground. 2 Catches for three yards. I mean, it's just really rough right now for him. Now the Chargers didn't have the ball much in this game. Uh, they only ran, uh, I think, about forty-one plays in this game. So you do have to take that into account. Uh, I also saw a stat. I didn't confirm it that the Chargers have rushed for forty yards or fewer in four straight games. That is just mind-boggling. And again, the offensive line is a big problem. But Austin Eckler, like, how do you not use this guy more? And I'm not saying on the ground. He had three carries for three yards. So you know, yes, Melvin Gordon doesn't look good, but neither has Austin Eckler between the tackles. But you need to get Austin Eckler the ball in the passing game. He had two receptions for 19 yards on three targets and a touchdown. So he's got to get the ball more, man. We have heard some rumors about Melvin Gordon being dealt. Trading deadline is tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Mike Williams dropped a touchdown. I mean, it's amazing. The guy had 10 touchdowns last year. He's got none this year. And we keep waiting and waiting. Figuring it has to come at some point. Six targets, three for 69. Keenan Allen. Now, this was a tough one this week, okay? He didn't practice Thursday and Friday with a hamstring issue. And we found out he was going to play. There was a report that Anthony Lynn had said if Keenan Allen does play, he'd be on limited snaps. And he did play less snaps than usual. I think he played about 66% offhand. Still less than usual, but a good amount. Um, And I think, Basically, it's um, a case where it depends on who you have. I will say I did bench him in a few spots. I think I used him in one or two leagues because of the options. Uh, and he came through if you used him. I mean, I don't think you're that upset. He wasn't 100%, but he got 10 targets, 7 for 53. He also dropped a touchdown too. I mean, it wasn't the easiest play, but he should have had it. It's a play Keenan Allen normally makes, so he could have had a better day. But again, this is the tricky part, Okay. There's no specific you have to do this or you do this with an injured player. And uh, We went through this two weeks ago with David Johnson where, again, they had two active running backs, and you said, all right, if he's active, he's probably going to be out there, and he played three snaps. Then you have this situation with Keenan Allen where you go, okay, what if he gives it a go and he can't make it through the game? And he made it. So that's why there's no definitive answer with these injured players on a Sunday. A lot of times – you kind of have to make a gut call. You know, you take all the information you have because we can show you situations where it doesn't work out and others where it does. We can go back a couple weeks ago. Do you remember Sammy Watkins? He showed up in the injury report on a Friday with a hammy. He was active that night. He didn't play, or he played one or two snaps. I think he got hurt in the national anthem walking around. I don't know. But that's the thing. You know, people will say, oh, well, this guy burned me. I'm not going to do it. Every situation is different. And a lot of times we don't have a lot of information. We're, we're, we're guessing here. I mean, we could have easily sat here today. You know, the people who played Keenan Allen are sitting here today and go, yeah, oh, that worked out. I'm glad I played him. We could have easily been sitting here today where Keenan Allen doesn't make it through the first drive. So there's no definitive answer when it comes to these injured players last minute. You know, we're, we're kind of guessing. You know, I got burned by it a couple weeks. Uh, well, I don't know, week three, week four, Chris Gottman in the hip. You know, I, it was a 4 o'clock game. I didn't want to wait around. He had a great game. So I think a lot of instances – and it's not every one. If the player is put out there, I think you roll with them. Now, again, we saw, we've seen a couple backfire. Off the top of my head, Sammy Watkins backfired, David Johnson backfired, but Amari Cooper last week, if you rolled with him, it worked out. He had a good game. Keenan Allen worked out. Sammy Watkins did it. So right there, we got like a few examples where we saw the great part of it, the great side where it worked out, and we saw the negative side. So basically it comes down to what your options are and what's your risk tolerance. You have to go in and say, can I live with this player potentially giving me nothing today? And most people are going to say, "No, I don't want that." But it just want to point out there's no easy answer with these and it's kind of a gut feel and because all of them you could have seen them fail. So it's just not it's not an easy answer. Like people expect us to have the answers all the time? We don't. You know, we a lot of times we're going to go through data watch games, see trends, and give you a good answer. When it comes to these type of injuries, it's yeah, you know, it's hit or miss, man. So a lot of those times, sometimes you just have to make a gut call. And 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 like I said, I'll t- I always answer questions with the way I would if it was my team. And uh, I think I have Keenan Allen in either three or four. I think I started him in one. So uh, in that league where I did start him, uh, it worked out. I won. The other leagues, uh, we'll find out. I actually won. It might cost me. Because I think I started, uh, I think, Deshaun Hamilton over Keenan. Boy, that was bad. I don't want to talk about that. Let's move on. Hunter Henry four for 47. Obviously, solid tight end play every week. The Bears. uh, David Montgomery. If you stuck with him, good for you. Uh, I know I got some questions on him. He was not the answer in all of them. It was certainly understandable not to play him. But it was a great matchup. The Chargers are banged up Also, uh, they made it a point that they were going to run the football more this week. He had 13 carries in the previous two games, 27, 135, and a touchdown, and four for 12 through the air. And certainly the schedule looks better going forward, but you're definitely um, uh, worried about the Bears' offense. Mitch Trubisky, once again, solid in the first half, terrible in the second half. Uh, he, he's he's really tough to watch right now. Uh, Anthony Miller, three for 67. Allen Robinson, I love him. I mean, if he could play with a better quarterback, five for 62 on seven targets. So, you know, even in the worst case scenario, it gets double-digit points in a PPR format, but that's it. I mean, you can really start Robinson and Montgomery, maybe Anthony Miller in deeper leagues, but you know, only three targets, and this passing game is just not what you want. Mentioned it last week for DFS. Love the lines this week. Matthew Stafford, Kenny Galladay was my stack. It worked out. Stafford, three for 42, three touchdowns. He has played great this year. 10.7 yards per pass attempt. He's a top-10 fantasy quarterback. He was probably sitting on the waiver wire too two for many weeks, and I really do believe with this line situation going forward, they're going to be a pass-heavy team. Running backs. Okay, Ty Johnson. We talked about him a lot last week, and I wasn't enamored with him, but it all comes down to what your situation is as a running back, and I have a fantasy football world championship online league where my two running backs are on Johnson and Matt Breida. So once Kerry Johnson went down, I, only, I think I only have five running backs in the roster. So I needed something. And anyone who plays in these high-stakes leagues, you know there's really not much on the waiver wire. So I had to spend a good amount of money on Ty Johnson. And I understood it might not work out. But you know what? I had to take a shot. Because what if Ty Johnson went in there and had 15 touches looked good and scored a touchdown in a good matchup against the Giants? Chances are he gets that role again the following week. The other risk was maybe he's not the guy. Signs pointed to him being the guy based on after on Johnson left the game, he played 65% of the snaps and got more touches than McKissick. But Trey Carson was the guy who started this game. So it's a complete nightmare. Here's how it shook out. Ty Johnson played the most snaps with 23. Carson played 19. J.D. McKissick played 16. Paul Perkins played 6. The touches, 12 for Carson, 8 for Ty Johnson, 4 for McKissick, 3 for Perkins. That's a nightmare. This is not what you want. The Lions are still have potentially the option to bring it back, but Carson 12 for 34, not involved in the passing game. Ty Johnson 7 for 25 on the ground. through the air 1 for 13. McKissick 3 catches for 2 yards. It's a nightmare. I mean, none of these guys are great. You want to pick up Trey Carson for a couple bucks? Okay. But uh, it, this kind of hurts. You have Ty Johnson. You spent money on him. You hold him. I picked him up in two leagues. One, I spent the... A good amount. The league I have carry on Johnson. The other league I actually put in, like, a, I thought a token bid, like, I think it was 221, and I actually got him. That's actually one of my better teams in the online championship, and I did start him this week over Christian Kirk. Uh, Turned out to be wrong, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I can roll with Ty Johnson going forward, man. If you have him, you hold on to him to see how this shakes out, but this was not what you wanted to see. Kenny Galladay, eight targets, six for one 23, two touchdowns. Danny, Danny Amendola could benefit with this lack of a running game. He could kind of be an extension of the running game. Eight for 95 on eight targets. Marvin Jones, not surprisingly, after that four-touchdown game, just four for 22. And uh, TJ Hawkinson, man, just one target for 21 yards. So he's been a real big disappointment after that blow-up spot week one. But the lesson here, a lot of rookie tight ends don't have consistency. Daniel Jones with a big game, 322 and four touchdowns. Not running as much, though, just four for 13. Barkley gets it done, especially in the passing game. Uh, Darius Slayton, two catches, 50 yards, both go for touchdowns. We'll see what happens with Sterling Shepard going forward on, uh, when he is going to return from that concussion. Jacksonville beat the Jets 29-15. We knew this was a pretty good spot for Gardner Minshew. He was a borderline QB1 this week. I did use him in two leagues, one league. I think I had Dak on by, and I had Sam Darnold, and I didn't feel comfortable starting Darnold, and Minshew was available, so I picked him up. I used him in another league over Jacoby Brissett. It was a great matchup, 279, three touchdowns for Minshew. Let it Fournette can't find the end zone. Look, you're happy with Fournette because he's getting huge volume every week, and he is putting up fantasy production, but, man, he just can't find the end zone. He scored, penalty took it back. He was given a carry, stopped, and then on the second down play, they basically bounced him to the outside, and he lost yards on the play. He was visibly frustrated as he left the game for third down. But, you know, that's the only thing. If Fournette would get more touchdowns, I mean, boy, you'd feel great as a fantasy owner. And I have Fournette in one league. It's been good, though. 19 for 76 on the ground. Through the air, 7 for 60 on seven targets. So still getting those points in PPR formats. Chris Conley, four for 103 and a touchdown on seven targets. He's a waiver-wire pickup because D.D. Westbrook left this game early with a neck and shoulder injury. They're saying it's not serious and he won't miss much time, but it could be out next week, so that would give Conley a boost. Second straight week, he's had seven targets, and, of course, D.J. Chark 12 more targets, 6 for 79 and a touchdown. Pretty much in almost scenario, a must-start every week. Lots more ahead when we return, including a quarterback returning from injury in a big way. We'll break it down next here. Full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back here at his full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Adam Ronis. Here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. And we saw the return of Drew Brees yesterday. And he came through in a big way if you waited around and used him. And talked about it during the week. You know, I think a lot of people looked at the Saints and said, Why are they bringing back Drew Brees? They have a bye in Week 9. Just give him the extra week to rest. It's not how players think. You know, fans sit here. We think like that. But... That's not how the team's going to operate. And yes, Saints were 6-1 and one going into yesterday. They could have beaten the Cardinals with Teddy Bridgewater. But if Drew Brees comes out and shows he's ready to play, and he says he wants to, and he gets the medical clearance, you let him play. He's been around a long time. He knows his body. He knows if he's able to throw the football, able to hold it. They saw him in practice. They cleared him. It's the right call to make. You know, Alvin Kamara, obviously, high ankle sprain. You'd be a little bit more cautious with him, and you could sit him out. And uh, it worked out. Breeze, 373. Three touchdowns and an interception. Look good in this game. And, uh, of course, Latavius Murray, man. Loved Latavius Murray going in the year. Because I really thought he was going to play the Mark Ingram role in this backfield. Now, we didn't see that happen. But I don't know if we can judge based on Drew Breeze missing time. I think they condensed the offense and just said, all right, let's get it in the hands of Kamara and Michael Thomas and rely on our defense. So, I'm very intrigued to see what happens because my guess is Alvin Kamara is back. Saints are on by in week nine. So he's got the extra week, week 10. I think we see him back. And, you know, they have Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, Kamara's a little banged up this year. Maybe they go, you know what, we'll give him 15 touches a game. We'll give Murray 8 to 10. So I want to see what happens. And they do have Atlanta coming off the bye. So I could see Latavius Murray in that game getting a good workload. You assume that they jump out to a huge lead. You know, Kamara does his thing, and then, all right, let's finish the game with Murray. So, Murray still has value. It's not going to be, obviously, what it was if Kamara plays. But we've seen what Murray can do in this offense. 21 for 102 and a touchdown, 9 for 55 with a touchdown through the air. And to me, he was a lock on DraftKings once Kamara was ruled out. He was 5,800. So, I used him. Hopefully, you guys did, too. uh, And hopefully, you put him in your lineup once you knew that Kamara was out. Michael Thomas, just money in the bank, caught all 11 targets for 112 and a touchdown, just does it every single week, man. He's just such a safe high floor player to have, uh, especially when we see some inconsistency among the wide receivers at the top. I mean, look at Odell Beckham, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously the quarterback chains, even Julio Jones week to week. But look at these targets for Michael Thomas this year, 13, 13, 7, 9, 13, 12, 11, 11. I mean, it's just, he has at least eight receptions in every game except one. He's reached 112 yards receiving or more in three of the last four games. He has four 100-yard games this year and four touchdowns. Just a great year uh, for Michael Thomas, uh, as expected. For the Cardinals, I mean, there was nothing here. We knew Kyler Murray was going to be a very rough start. Uh, Hopefully, you didn't use him. I think I used him in one league only because – I only have him in one league. I think it's because my backup was on bye. I can't remember, but I might have used him, but I – I didn't expect much. I'd have to go back and check. Hopefully I didn't. 220 passing yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Only two carries for 13 yards. We mentioned Edmonds leaving this game with the hammy. Christian Kirk did return. That's the good sign. He's been getting a boatload of targets, so you feel good about him going forward. He had 11 targets, 8 for 79. Larry Fitzgerald just really tailed off. Two catches, 8 yards, and 4 targets. He did have an opportunity to score, but he couldn't get that second foot down inbounds, or otherwise it would have been a touchdown. So uh, this offense has not been as good. As uh, many people thought, it looked like they were turning the corner, and they're not even running as many plays as they were either. Titans, you know, this was a spot a lot of people liked this week, and I warned. I said, look, Ryan Tannehill certainly was in the streaming conversation. You could have looked at him in DFS, the receivers. Everything made sense. What I did mention last week, don't be surprised if we're all disappointed on Monday. I don't think you're disappointed if you use Tannehill because he did have three touchdowns, only 193 passing yards, 5.8 yards per pass attempt. Mentioned Derrick Henry that it was going to be a tough matchup. And, you know, it was. I mean, he had a 34-yard run, which really helped him. He was 16 for 75, but he didn't score one catch for eight yards. You were going to use him unless you had better options in the chance that he got a touchdown. And he did it. John Ru smith I mentioned him last week. I think on Friday, I think during the show we did get the news that Delaney Walker was out. I believe so, because I remember making that pickup during the show. Uh, because I had added Cameron Bray because O.J. Howard was out. Once I saw Delaney Walker was out, I liked John o. Smith better. So hopefully that helped you guys out. You picked him up. I, w- I wrote about him in the waiver Wire article last week. I think I put him in the sneaky start, too, uh, saying that I expected Delaney Walker to sit. He had only played five snaps in the previous week, six for 78, a touchdown, and seven targets for John o. Smith. So as long as Delaney Walker's out, I like John o. Smith. The disappointment was Corey Davis. And look... It was the right call to play him. Um, Tampa Bay's been terrible against receivers. You saw Ryan Tannehill at least get the ball to his receivers the previous week. You know, I didn't want to stack this game in DFS. I mean, we we did discuss it and said, hey, you could get so much if you went Tannehill, Davis, A.J. Brown, or Jono Smith, who I liked the most. Um, I think I did. I think I might have put Corey Davis in my lineup. I think Davis and Jono Smith. But, yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise. I mean, we've just seen a consistency from these guys, and it just boggles the mind. I mean, the weakness for Tampa Bay is the passing game, of the receivers and tight end, and Corey Davis gets six targets, two for nine. A.J. Brown, two for 11, a touchdown, three targets. So it just goes to show, even with 10-1 in there, we can't count on these guys. Instead, it was uh, T- uh, Tajay Sharp scoring a touchdown, man. So it uh, was kind of disappointing here for those guys. For the Bucks. Jameis Winston, 301, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He also scrambled for 53 yards. He lost two fumbles. So one of the fumbles, uh, he wasn't ready for the snap. So I don't know if that was on him or the center. Uh, A couple of the interceptions, uh, I mean, uh, Bruce Arians said they weren't his fault. It was the receiver. Certainly, when you throw to Brashad Perryman, that's going to happen. The run game, it's the same story for Tampa. You can't rely on either of these guys, man. They're splitting. The run game's not good. Ronald Jones, 11 for 35. Peyton Barber, 10 for 20. Oakman Wiley comes in there in passing situations. Avoid it, man. It's going to take an injury. As far as the receivers, you're starting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin every week. And we have seen them kind of alternate big games. This week it was Mike Evans, 12 targets, 11 for 198 and two touchdowns. Chris Godwin, eight targets, four for 43. So uh, it's going to happen from time to time. Uh, But they're they're both great starts every week. Cameron Brate, three for 32. You know, imagine it last week. He, he's touchdown reliant. Was he someone you could use this week if you were desperate at tight end? Yeah, but again, I like John Smith better. Uh, so hopefully you uh, had John Smith instead. Uh, there's a lot of rumors, too, about O.J. Howard potentially being traded, although Tampa Bay is asking for a lot reportedly, looking for a first-round pick. So we'll see uh, if anyone bites on that. I doubt it, uh, but would love to see O.J. Howard in a better spot because uh, he certainly is a, a talented tight end. the 49ers make a huge statement, man. They just absolutely kicked the crap out of the Panthers, 51-13. to Look, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to do anything. You know, for fantasy purposes, for a 7-0 team, you would figure, oh, yeah, we can use their quarterback. He's just not asked to do much, man. He has not been great for fantasy. And, again, a lot of it's not his fault. They've been running the ball extremely well. Their defense is playing at a high level, and they've been blowing teams out. I mean, look at these pass attempts this year. Jimmy Garoppolo has two games of more than 30 pass attempts. He has his high this year, 33. So he's not asked to do much. He has one game of three passing touchdowns, and he's got one touchdown pass or fewer in four of his seven games. So that's the problem. Uh, He had no touchdowns against the Redskins, no touchdowns against the Rams, man. He doesn't have any 300-yard games this year. He's been held to 181 passing yards or fewer in three of the last four games, and it's all game flow. We don't know how good Garoppolo is. We really don't. You know That's why I want to see this team tested. I want to see this game, uh, this team playing from behind. So, you know, Garoppolo is just he's not great for fantasy right now because the volume isn't there. The run game, completely different story. Whoever the two running backs are, the main running backs of the week, you're going to play them. You know, Tevin Coleman, man, what a game for him. 11 for 105 and three rushing touchdowns. Through the air, two for 13 and a touchdown. And people will say, oh, it's clear. Coleman is the back. Yeah, he's the lead back. He's going to get a lot of the red zone touches. But let's not forget, Matt Breida left this game with an ankle injury. Matt Breida had 13 touches in the first half. I mean, 12. He had 11 for 35 and 1 for 15. Then left the game with an ankle injury. Apparently, it's not serious. Uh, It is a short week, though. So, we'll have to keep that in mind. 49ers play Thursday night. So, at least we'll get the answer. And uh, if he's out, then Raheem Mostert, who I think he left this game, too, with an injury late. Haven't seen an update on that. I'm sure we'll get it today or tomorrow. But Mostert at 9 for 60 and a touchdown. And obviously, if Breida and Mostert are out, Jeff Wilson comes into play. And we saw him get some goal line looks early in the year. The bottom line is, you want to invest in this running game. And the way they're playing now with their defense and playing from ahead, you know, there's value for both. I mean, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida are pretty much guys are going to start every single week. George Kittle, another touchdown callback via penalty. I mean, this is getting insane. He had two in week one, another one this week. He looks tremendous. It's going to be good for Kittle going forward. Again, this team is going to have some more competitive games. They'll be passing more. Kittle is the primary target of this passing game. Don't worry about him. His best games have yet to come. He had six for 86 and seven targets. We saw Emmanuel Sanders make his debut five targets, four for 25 and a touchdown. And this hurts the rest of the receiving core. Dante Pettis, only 30% of the snaps. He's not valuable. Debo Samuel had three for 19 and two carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. There's some explosiveness there. So at least someone you could keep on your roster, but there's no way you can count on him. It's just there's not a big role with the way this team is playing right now. It's just not enough of a role there for him. Kyle Allen was terrible for anyone who felt, oh, this team doesn't need to go back to Cam Newton. Uh, I think he got a little bit dose of reality yesterday. Allen's not the answer. Uh, against a good team on the road, just absolutely brutal here. Uh, 19-37, 158, no touchdowns, three picks, sacked seven times. He had fumble issues the other weeks. not the answer. Uh, the one thing we can count on in fantasy, it doesn't matter what the game strip script is, Christian McCaffrey's going to ball out, 14 for 117 on the ground with a touchdown, four for 38 through the air. He continues to get it done, and we knew this was going to be a tough matchup for the receivers. Curtis Samuel, 11 targets, but four for 46. DJ Moore, five for 38 on nine targets, so... Very tough matchup, and they weren't automatic plays this week as they usually are. We usually feel good about those receivers, but it was a difficult matchup uh, this week. Uh, not much in the Broncos Colts game, man. This was one of the more uh, fantasy disappointments of the week. Colts didn't manage to win this game. Jacoby Brissett is playing very well, but Denver defense is not terrible. Two o two for Brissett, no touchdowns, no interception. Did run for thirty four yards. Marlon Mack came through if you used him. Nineteen seventy six. Any touchdown, one catch for 14 yards. T.Y. Hilton obviously saw a lot of Chris Harris in this game, just six targets, two for 54, so he'll bounce back. Not going to be like that most weeks. And, of course, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron kind of offset, hurt each other. It really depends on the matchup. Doyle was four for 61, Ebron three for 26. And after Zach Pascal was heavily involved, uh, one catch, six yards, two touchdowns. So it's a tough offense to trust. It's kind of really Hilton and Mack, set in the right matchup, and – now the receivers kind of alternate there, so it's tough to rely on them every week unless they have a really good matchup. Phillip Lindsey and Royce Freeman continue to kind of split. They're kind of RB2, RB3 plays. Uh Royce Freeman has been more involved in the passing game. He did hurt his shoulder in this game. Haven't seen any updates on that yet. He had 12 carries for 40 yards and a rushing touchdown. The second straight week, he scored a touchdown. Only one catch for five yards. He has been more involved in the passing game, so that's helped him. It was Phillip Lindsay who had five for 17 through the year and 14 for 59 on the ground. Cortland Sutton uh, drew a pass interference, so that kind of hurt his numbers. Six targets, three for 72. But Deshaun Hamilton, man, one target, no receptions. You know, He was someone who was picked up in a lot of leagues last week. As it appeared, he would kind of play the Emmanuel Sanders role, but he didn't play. A ton of snaps in this one, so this was disappointing. You'd expected to see more to Deshaun Hamilton, and especially now with the quarterback change here, with Joe Flacco being out and potentially Drew Locke coming in maybe after the bye week. uh, It's going to be a little rough for these receivers here, man. you probably only feel good about Cortland Sutton right now, uh, but this offense is definitely trending in the wrong direction. you got to think they run the football quite a bit as well uh, with the change at quarterback. Not that Flacco was great, but at least he was a veteran. Lots more ahead here. We have a few more minutes. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up, recapping any other top performances and headlines from Week 8 It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back here it is, full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here for a few more minutes. Recap in week eight. Might have missed it last night. Pretty good game. Packers beat the Chiefs 31-24. Aaron Rodgers, man, playing at a very high level right now. To me, it's amazing because I think this is the worst wide receiving core Aaron Rodgers has had in his career. Packers now 7-1. They could get Devontae Adams back in week nine, which certainly helps them. Rodgers 305 and three touchdowns in this game. But it's the running backs that have really had a lot of value right now. You know, Aaron Jones, we've seen him get huge workloads. And then Jamal Williams comes into picture. But it's mostly Aaron Jones here. 13 for 67 on the ground. But through the air, 7 for 159 and 2 touchdowns. And he had another long play where he stepped out of bounds or it would have been a touchdown. So he's just having... A monster season, and he did leave this game briefly with a shoulder issue, but came back. But Aaron Jones really carrying fantasy owners. Jamal Williams getting the job done, too. 7 for 22 on the ground with a touchdown, and through the air, 3 for 14 with a score. And I think it's because of this receiving core being lackluster that they're throwing to the running backs a lot. Because otherwise, it's spread around. You know, No other receiver had more than five targets. Jimmy Graham's not getting it done. So, you know, Valdez-Scantley had an opportunity. Only two targets this week, one for four. I know he's been a little banked up. Allison, one for seven. You just don't feel right about any of those receivers, but I think you could play both running backs, and obviously Adams will come back. For the Chiefs, Matt Moore did a pretty good job. 267, two touchdowns. Lashawn McCoy was the main guy in the backfield, but then he fumbled, and that led to Damian Williams kind of finishing this game, and he's seven carries, 30 yards, and a touchdown for Damian Williams. He did have no receptions. McCoy, nine for 40. 4 for 23 through the air, so it's kind of a headache in this backfield right now. We'll see if they go more Damian Williams going forward, but I don't think you feel really good starting either right now. You know, Tyreek Hill, 6 for 76. You know, It looks like Pat Mahomes potentially could be back next week. They're saying he was close this week. Travis Kelsey, his second touchdown of the season, 4 for 63. McCole Hartman didn't find the end zone, but just two targets. Sammy Watkins made his return, was 5 for 45 on eight targets, but man... He's just not good anymore, man. Uh, He's just not someone that I feel great starting. I mean, look, when Mahomes comes back... This offense, obviously, you want a piece of it, but it's just tough to feel real confident in him with the way he has played. just hasn't looked good at all and been banged up this year. That wraps it up here. You can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Any questions, you could ask them on the message boards and the forums, especially if you have any questions for tonight's game or trades, waiver wire pickups. But I'll be back Tuesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.